So today we're going to talk about um, unity and diversity, and um, as the key theme for for the month, and it's a topic that we are really excited to talk about, especially during a um, uh, time of Black History, and when we are actively exploring and celebrating the diversities of cultures that we have. And as we have dealt into scriptures, we've found that unity and diversity are topics that are discussed in depth and must mean extremely important to God and, and should therefore be as important to us too. When you look around us, everything in, the, in nature is diverse. God in his wisdom has made everything diverse. And for some strange reason, they all sing together. And think, I always think about, I love music, so I always think about the piano. Every tone makes a different noise, but together it just blows you away, doesn't it? And, and then I believe strongly that that's what God has made us to be. So today our key aim is um, to first um, discuss and be a reminder to the church that unity, we, um, as a church, we are free and we are united in Christ. That is the key thing, the overarching thing, the first thing. And a reminder that we need the help of the Holy Spirit to enable us walk in love, peace, and joy. So as a church, we can be a light and an example to, uh, of unity to the world around us. The Paul says we are an epistle to the world. And so we are not here to um, beat down things, but to actually encourage us. We can't do this by ourselves. Love is not from us. It is from the Holy Spirit. And that just as the Holy Spirit brooded over the earth, that the Holy Spirit broods over our hearts as a church, that, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost would just emerge. Our anchor scripture for uh, this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, perfect, and, and that perfectly sets the scene for the topic of unity and diversity. Um, for the, just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we all, we all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of member, one member, but of many. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where will the body be? As it is, there were many parts, yet one body. In these verses, the Apostle Paul outlines how the diversity of human body parts work in unity to complement and not to compete with each other. And, and this enables the body to function and thrive. Similarly, we as the body of Christ are made of many different parts, but together we make a beautiful harmonious unit, which is designed to perfectly reflect God's glory. Over the next few, uh, few minutes or so, we will want you to take, uh, to take a journey with us to understand this unity. I'd rather use her expertise in human body to explain things better, uh, for you um, and how this body works. And again, together, we would, we would try and walk this path that God in his wisdom made us different, but together we are beautiful. Amen. 
So, yeah, so we just wanted to, as we were going through the scriptures, um, to understand kind of what God's heart was for unity and diversity, then we realised that actually that's a theme that, that runs through all of scripture um, and starts from God himself, um, that God himself is the perfect embodiment of unity and diversity. Um, and so, if we could just have the next slide, that... Um, no other being in the universe so perfectly embodies unity and diversity as God himself, because he is both diverse and united in God as the Father, God as the Holy Spirit, and God as the Son. Um, even in the act of creation, then we can see that harmony at work. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 tells us that right at the beginning of creation, then when the earth was formless and empty, then the spirit was there just kind of hovering over the surface of the water. And it creates this, this beautiful image of kind of brooding and patient anticipation of what was going to happen next. And then as you read through the rest of Genesis chapter 1, then you see God at work. It tells us that God spoke and began to bring purpose and structure to the earth until the work was completed. But then as you go through scripture, you learn later that Christ was there too. So if you look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, which I would encourage you to read in your own time, it tells us that all things were created through Christ and for Christ. So the entire Godhead was present and active, each playing a unique but harmonious role in the most incredible process of creation. Um, I just think that just, it just so beautifully demonstrates unity in diversity. And so, you know, God... Starting with himself, he then, you know, went on to the process of creation and he wanted to see that same unity and diversity speak through all of his creation. Um, and so we just kind of wanted to talk through that a little bit more over the next couple of slides. So um, the next slide, please. Then, you know, God's intention for the created world was to reflect unity and diversity that he himself embodies. Um, and we can see that intention expressed in five distinct areas. So we see harmony and diversity within creation itself. We see it between God and man. We see it within the human body. We see it between man and the rest of creation, and then between people. And so we're gonna just tackle each one of those very briefly in turn. So firstly, harmony and diversity within creation. So the creation story demonstrates that contrast and balance within creation. You see that there was darkness and light, there was night and day, there was sea and dry land, there were birds of the air, fish of the sea, mammals and reptiles living on, on the ground, as well as an array of plants, trees and vegetation. All of them were different, but all had their own territory and purpose, but were designed to coexist in perfect harmony. The next slide, please. So um, if you look at the study of ecosystems, and this is a very simplistic drawing because that's the, the most that I would be able to explain it, um, we can see from that study that plants and animals were designed not only to coexist, but to absolutely depend on each other for survival. Um, so this is a very simple diagram of the oxygen cycle, um, which shows us that so animals, including us as humans, we breathe in oxygen and release carbon dioxide as a byproduct of respiration. But then likewise, plants depend on that carbon dioxide that's breathed out for the process of photosynthesis by which they can produce food from sunlight. And in that process, they then release oxygen back into the atmosphere for animals to breathe in. It's much more complicated than that, but even in its most simple form, it's just amazing. It's amazing how God has designed us to absolutely need each other 
plants and animals are completely different and yet we absolutely depend on each other for survival. So secondly, um, we see harmony and diversity between God and man. On the next slide. So the scripture tells us that God made man in his image and likeness and that we were designed to perfectly express and reflect God's attributes and qualities. So things such as peace, goodness, kindness, justice and love, to name just a few. Um, but clearly we're also very different to God and we have different needs. So as well as giving us a spirit and a soul, unlike him, he also made us flesh and blood. He designed us to need food, need water, to need sleep. Yet God and man enjoyed a perfect relationship. As you read through Genesis 2, then you see a really beautiful image of God and man kind of conversing and sharing ideas. God lovingly bringing the animals to Adam and, and kind of waiting in anticipation to see what he was going to name them. It was just such a, a beautiful and perfect balance um, that modelled the wonderful relationship of unity and diversity. So the third area was harmony and diversity within the body itself. So the human body is a complex and perfectly fine-tuned system which uniquely demonstrates unity and diversity. There's no two parts of the human body that are the same, but each part works to keep the body alive and functioning and also supports the functions of every other part. So on the next slide, um, again, this was the best, most simple diagram that I could find. Um, I thought we, we could just think about a process um, that seems very, very simple, the process of eating. It's actually extremely complex. So even before food enters the mouth, the sight and smell of the food activates the salivary glands to produce enzymes and chemicals that help to soften and dissolve the food. Then the lips close to form a seal that prevents food from leaving the mouth. The teeth then enable the process of mastication or chewing that allows the large chunks of food to be mashed and broken down into more manageable chunks. The tongue then rolls the pulverized food into balls and pushes it back to the back of the mouth. And then swallowing occurs when the pharynx contracts and pushes food into the, the food pipe or the esophagus. When the process of swallowing is initiated, the soft palate rises and that seals the nasal passages. The vocal folds close and then a muscular structure called the epiglottis closes over the airway to temporarily stop breathing to allow that bolus of food to enter into the food pipe without going into the airway. Then... Once the food enters the food pipe, the sphincter at the top of the food pipe contracts to stop food from re-entering the mouth and the now exposed airways. And that's literally just step one of the digestive process. Each structure that's described there has a role that's entirely different from, from each other, but absolutely essential to the process. And each, and each structure works in harmony with the others to allow the process of eating. If even one of those structures was missing or malfunctioning, the whole process would break down. And I, I don't know about you, but I think that, that is the most amazing example of unity and diversity within our own body, and that's just one system. So the fourth area was harmony and diversity between man and the rest of creation. Um, and there's, there's so many ways that we can look at this, but just very simply, God designed man and the rest of the creation to, to live harmoniously. So man was instructed to care for the earth, to till and cultivate the land and bring out the best in it. And likewise, the earth produced every kind of food that was good for eating and would also provide a shelter for man. God had instructed man to have dominion over the earth, including the plants and animals. And that was his design for harmony between man and the created world. 
And then finally, um, the fifth area was harmony and diversity between people. So um, the next slide. So people were created to exist harmoniously with each other. And the creation of the first two humans demonstrates that perfectly. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God declared that it was not good for man to be alone, and so he created a mate for him. And that mate was, was like him, and Adam could see that straight away, but was also very different to him, so not a man, but a woman. So their similarities made them a perfect match, but their differences made them complement each other. And that was a representation of God's expectation for mankind as a whole. So they were not just to remain as, as the two, but God commissioned them to, to go and multiply and fill the earth with people. Um, and God's expectation and his plan was that um, the earth would be filled with more complementary people who would all be able to live and work together as a large and harmonious unit. And so clearly, through the, the things that we've seen, um, diversity and unity was God's original intention for creation. Um, and as God said, after each stage of creation, it was all very, very good. And just like um, Bambi said in her, uh, her uh, presentation and the video, that life as worship, as we live daily as worship, and all, and just as Adras uh, clearly demonstrated, even the act of eating as worship in some ways. Psalm 66, verse 4, in the next slide, says, um, tells us that all earth worships God. Our Tom White beautifully captured this notion in the song, Glorious. All creation sings, here it rising up, you're glorious, you're glorious. If all earth sings and his praise, as mentioned above, then we can think of ourselves that we are like part of this big cosmic orchestra. We are all part of it, with our Heavenly Father being the conductor. Isn't that beautiful? As you breathe, as you think, as you go to work, you are literally you may be the violin, you could be the trombone, you could be whatever, to the Father that is beautiful in his sight. Just your very existence. And leaving and thinking that whoever stands next to me, I, I'm working in unity with them. It's playing a beautiful, harmonious sound to, um, to the Father. Harmony is defined in music as a combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce chords and chord progressions having a pleasing effect. That's harmony. Likewise, when creation is harmonious in glorifying God as he intended, this is certainly pleasing to God. He loves it. He says it comes to him as a sweet smell and savor. So imagine when you smell good food, like with me, it's jollof rice, and you're in bed. And I remember when I was younger, I'm in bed, and you're like, you smell the food. You're like, yes, that's it. You run straight to the kitchen, and you're going to get your food. And that's beautiful, in the, and that's how God smells us, his worship. He says he receives that sweet smell and savor to him. The thing that pleases God the more, uh, more than anything is harmony between God's most precious creations, human. In Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3, the psalmist describes this by saying, see how, good and be, see how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head that ran down on the beard, even Aaron's beard, that came down to the edges of his robe, like the dew of heaven that comes down on the hills of Zion. For there, Yahweh gives his blessing, even forevermore. But unfortunately, 
man did not adhere to God's plan for unity and diversity. First man decided that being man was not enough. He needed to be like God. The act of rebellion followed, and uh, fo that followed, damaged the perfect unity between man and God, and in doing so, all other relationships that Adwa described previously was damaged. The earth became hostile. Uh, the earth became hostile to man, and rather than tilling the ground, man will now toil and labor for any yield. The perfect balance between within the human body was damaged, resulting in pain and labor, labor pains, disease, and even shortening of lifespan until man would eventually return to dust. The ultimate, and ultimately, the balance between humans themselves damaged. God had given man dominion on earth to rule over his creation, but it was never God's intention for man to have dominion over another man. Yet, because of the fall, history is replete of a man's quest to dominate and suppress others, starting with the first human children, Cain and Abel. Ever since then, we have continued to witness the devastating effect of, of, of drifting away from the Father's plans in conflicts, wars, greed, jealousy, family breakdown, rivalries, and mistrust. All stemming from, all stemming from an inability to see the true worth in both ourselves and in one another. So how can we start to repair the, the damage? Well, we can start by seeing ourselves and seeing others as God does. So the amazing thing about God is that even in the midst of our sin, God, God continues to see the worth in every one of us. Um, and the scriptures make it clear, um, if we can go to the next slide, that the scriptures make it clear that all men are equal in God's eyes um, and he shows no partiality or favoritism. And we see that in multiple scriptures. Now, one of the most exciting things about God, and we'll go to the next slide, is that um, God designed us as people that not only are we equal despite our differences, but that actually we're better because of our differences. Um, and that's, uh, for me, that's really exciting, that it's, it's not just about um, trying to learn to live with each other, but the fact that, you know, iron sharpens iron, um, as we kind of celebrate our differences and come together, we actually um, improve ourselves and those around us. So um, we started the talk by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, and I'm kind of going to come back to that because it's, if you read through the whole, the whole passage, it's just such a, a beautiful description of the kind of harmony within the body and, and it's the body of Christ. Um, but I'm going to read quite a long chunk of it, which, is, um, which we've got on the next three slides, um, but from the message translation because it's just, it has a really unique and creative way of explaining it that I think um, is, really, um, is really a blessing. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm starting from verse 14. It says, A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. 
For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine I telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honour, just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. So what we take from that and what we take from from the scriptures that we've seen is that every single person on this earth is valuable to God. Every single person has an intrinsic worth and has something that they can contribute to the world. And that contribution might be on the tiniest scale or it might be of global significance, but in God's eyes, it's exactly the same. So we would like to sort of like finish everything up by looking at that. Yes, we've talked about all these things. And just like um, we are moving to the second aim, which is sort of like uh, summarize everything and also know the next step. And the next step is more about knowing that we can't do this by ourselves. This thing is not a thinking thing. This thing is not, I am now going to be very keen on how I speak. But this thing is an enablement thing, an enablement thing by the Holy Spirit. Paul calls it to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, not before him, not after him, but in step with him. It is like tango. It may, be, it may, not, it may not stand really uh, smooth in the beginning, but the Holy Spirit in his wisdom and his teaching ability, the best teacher in the world, that, that, just like Jesus told us, is going to enable us to do that. Black history is a time for celebrating different cultures and diversity, just as it hinted in the beginning. It is also important to recognize that this period also evokes different emotions around division, not just with race, but also cultures, religions, gender, age, status, amongst other things. Paul, Paul, Paul's message in Romans, chapter, uh, Romans 8 admonishes us um, uh, who are in Christ not to feel or harbor any form of condemnation and highlights the freedom we have in Christ, uh, in Jesus Christ through the spirit of life. Now, uh, this part is so important to me because I speak to so many friends of mine and you could feel that thing, like, oh, I'm so sorry, my, my ancestors. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. Be you. Be you. So far as you are in Christ, we are all one. And because we are all one, our blood type is Jesus. That's it. You are not O, you are not um, A+, plus. you are not B-, minus. you are nothing. You're, it's just B, uh, Jesus. That's our blood type. 
So for us, our blood type is the same. You're my brother and you're my sister. And that's how we want to think. And that's how I believe that is the next step. And I believe that's how we pray the Holy Spirit enable us to walk in that step. Not to feel any form of guilt, but feel joy. Ooh, what am I thinking? What am I doing? When I play with anyone in the, in the band, I don't think race. I don't think anything. I just enjoy myself in God. And that's it. And I believe that's what my brothers are play, and sisters I play with is the same um, in, uh, in, in that sense. In, in the next slide, Micah 6, 8. So some of us um, may uh, not readily identify with the emotions discussed but we can all have compassion for the marginalized and those struggling with guilt, shame, and regret. Slide 16, um, so the next slide. Micah 6, 8 admonishes us to act justly, love mercy or kindness, and walk humbly with the Lord. And for me, this imagery, the first time I heard it, it was Bev talking about her, um, how God laid on, on her heart, her passion for her project for prisoners. And the imagery God gave me, and I was sitting here when Bev spoke it, and I was like, wow, it is like the, the justice arm. And, and on, on one arm is walking, um, and loving, um, walking in um, loving the pursuit of mercy and kindness. On the other arm is walking humbly with God. And so it means that it, it needs to be balanced because at, in, um, sometimes when we just go justice, 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 it gets cute, but in the balance of walking in step with our spirit, things are done in tune with the spirit, and it's more harmonious from that perspective. The, the Samaritan parable in, in the New Testament also fleshes out Micah 6, 8, in my opinion. The story, as we know, encourages us not to turn a blind eye to the inequalities and injustices in our within our communities and even within our church family. Because we think that we have nothing to do with, because we think they have nothing to do with us, or or don't affect us. So, um, as we read in the scripture above, we we know we are all part of one body, and if one body hurts, the whole body is involved in the hurt, and if one body is healing, the whole body is a part of the healing process. So, rather in mercy and in tune with our heavenly Father. We should seek to reach out and cover or support the marginalized and most vulnerable amongst us. Being compassionate is not an innate ability. That's what I've been reiterating in the whole talk, but a fruit of the spirit. God's command to love our neighbors as ourselves is not an action that comes naturally to us, no matter how intentional and committed we intend to be. Next slide, please. Loving our neighbors is only possible when we walk in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.16. The, the Holy Spirit in turn helps us to be a people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 